think, as we talked about last week, people are more relaxed already. Well, yeah. As, as, yeah. as is the fact that the restrictions have now been lifted in the vast majority of places across uh, Scotland, certainly to a lower level. Numbers are already going up. Yeah, they are. Well done. I, I fully expect we will be back in, in lockdown in January. Uh, to me, there's no, there's no question now. It's the same as last week. I feel like it was way too soon. If they wanted to be open, if they wanted to have no lockdowns at Christmas time, it feels like relaxing lockdowns a couple of weeks before Christmas was the wrong call. They should have kept them until Christmas. But but you people need to get to Silverburn. They need to buy their... They need to buy stuff. Their stuff from Argos. Come on. Yeah, just give them like a couple of days, you know, pack those things out, make them coronavirus hotspots for a couple of days instead of <laughs> no less of a hotspot for, for three whole weeks. I, I don't know. Like, I'm sure it's really hard to balance, but it feels like because the numbers are already... Going back up. Yeah. By the time it's Christmas time, it should be getting closed again. Everybody should be going back into lockdown, but we won't be allowed to do that. That won't be acceptable. So I have to wait another 12 days and then who knows. I guess we'll find out what this all looks like come January. But certainly looking into uh, the crystal balls we have, we, we use every so often. Yeah. We keep them hidden for the most part, but every so often and bring them out. They are powerful weapons. Oh, absolutely. I suspect that by the time, even maybe before Hogmanay, yeah. Nicola Sturgeon will come out and say, just to let you know, you're all going back into tier four for six weeks or however long. Yeah. And it'll be reviewed every so often, but look at these numbers. It's terrible. Uh, we, I told you so. I'm not sure she did tell us so. This is one of my major c- concerns is that I don't think anybody's legitimately criticizing any of the leaders at the moment no, for, for their actions. I'm sure we've got some conservatives being like, don't close the churches. Oh, no. But they're not doing it from a good place. Like, sure, there's legitimate arguments of like, hey, we can't keep doing lockdowns. It's bad for people's health. Right. And all the rest. But surely it's worse to do repeated ineffective lockdowns than it is to, to just do one huge big one. And this is another... Well, the first lockdown was all right, but this one, we didn't hold it long enough in some areas and we're at risk. And I don't know what's going to happen. I can never hold and it long And nobody's going to complain. We can never hold on long enough. Um, Did you see, sorry, John Swinney and I mean, oh, his other John Swinney or Nicola Sturgeon this week said, hey guys, just, just to let you know, after the first lockdown, we nearly eradicated the virus, yeah. but then we were too lax oh. with the travel restrictions. Oh, boy. And that is what made everything spike and we're really sorry we made the wrong call wow i'm so surprised (laughs) it's not like everybody was saying this i don't understand how after all this time because as you're saying james also welcome to the show everybody see so hi hi we just jumped right into it (laughs) we did episode 231 no no need for small talk now i'm colin and he's uh big brains i'm doing well thank you and uh just as you were saying there i don't understand how after all this time and the fact that the infection rates are still going up and already going up after just a few days of relaxed restrictions, that we are not able to say, well, let's look to New Zealand, who in the last few months have gone back to full capacity stadiums, watching rugby and a movie industry, which is through the roof right now. And the infection rates, which are virtually zero... And saying, right, what did they do? 
Let's copy them. It's just strange. I don't understand why we've not done that. Uh, why we are not actively learning from the companies that have done the companies, the countries, <laughs> which have done really well because the UK has done really badly. Yeah, I, I guess a big part of it is for I mean, for, at least for the Scottish Welsh. You know, the leaders that don't quite have all the power is that they're not going right. to try it a lot harder than Boris and co. <laughs> uh, because they're, one, limited by Boris and co. Um, and they don't have the control they need. And two, they, they don't need to do great. They just need to do better than Boris. And then they'll okay. they prove their point. And so we're getting this laziness and we're getting this pro, pro-business rather than pro-health approach again for however many months in a row we're at. We're, we're jumping the gun here, but just if you want to get in touch with Seesaw Parade, as a couple of people have done, I'm about to get to. Oh, yeah. You can do. At Seesaw Parade on Twitter, seesawparade at gmail.com. First of all, in relation to vaccines, Izzy said, I've only just found out how many people will be told not to have the vaccine for various reasons. I'm in that category yeah. since I'm breastfeeding and will be for another year plus. Yeah. This added on to the disinformation anti-vax means that I think uptake may be lower than anticipated. Well, could be. I would say you're right. Yeah. Because last week was the news that if you have ever suffered a severe allergic reaction you also shouldn't get vaccinated yeah yeah no if you've if you've got allergies just like avoid it for now but that that's kind of normal like there's a, like even the flu vaccine every year you get asked what allergies yeah, you've got yeah. and different people aren't aren't allowed to take it depending on risk levels and stuff like that so a new vaccine that we don't really know long-term effects or they're being even more cautious and they're only going to be um more so in the initial months until we see what's going on. This makes sense. So uptick, yeah, might be low. Okay, well, my thoughts on this is that people's expectations of when reality is resuming are far too optimistic because... Oh, yeah. By the time... I believe it was something like 5,000 people had been vaccinated in Scotland last week. That's, what, 0.001 of the population? Plus, small number. As you say, there will be a lot of people who will refuse to to get vaccinated, and by the time we actually work our way through everybody, it will be months down the line. Yeah, I'm talking you know, at least yeah late summer before, and that's and that's just based on my own kind of reading and guesswork. But people who are suspecting yeah. that, oh yeah, March time, you know, we'll just tie a neat bow in this year long pandemic, and then we'll get back to reality. Nah. No chance. Nope. Not that soon. Yeah, because you need such a high percentage of uptake to hit a good level of like um, immunity throughout the population to avoid the people who don't have it crossing paths and still spreading it amongst themselves. And of course, we had the chat about uh, microchips being in these vaccines. Which oh, yeah. Was, uh, yeah, going... Tweeted from my iPhone. <laughs> spread like wildfire on social media after the uh, first recipient of the vaccine, who I believe was 90 years old. And uh, we had some images of Bill Gates sitting behind his laptop saying, ha ha, <laughs> now I can track 90-year-old Margaret going to the co-op in Coventry I know. every second Wednesday. Ha ha but yes, you're, you're right, Which James. I couldn't do before now. Exactly. <laughs> Somehow. With electoral <laughs> rules and council tax and phone bills and Wi-Fi and everything you've ever done online. Goodness sake, people are stupid. <laughs> I wonder I wonder how many anti-vaxxers or specifically microchip in-vaxxers 
have like a smart fridge. <laughs> okay, why? Or a smart TV. Just because the I can I everybody's got a phone and that makes sense. Everybody's everybody is on, well everybody pays their taxes or is on some sort of register that makes sense. Yep. But having a Wi-Fi enabled fridge or a Wi-Fi enabled TV or all these other things completely useless. You're opting into the tracking for those. You're opting into being on the uh, on whatever register they get you on. But this those same people who have this everything it, it connected to Wi-Fi. They've got their Alexa sitting by them at night. Um, on one on one nightstand and and Mr. Google sitting on the other nightstand, <laughs> they'll be they'll be worrying about a vaccine having a microchip. Oh boy, I want to know the numbers. Also, what is powering these microchips inside people's bodies? Like, have you seen the size of batteries you'd require? Belief, brain power, <laughs> belief. They actually power in disbelief. If you don't believe in them, then they then they get free power from your brain. But if you believe in them, it shuts them down. Do, is this is this what's going to happen? We're going to have to be vaccinated every month to uh, replace the battery of said microchip. <laughs> yes, no, it's not a it's, They're just a mini operation. They pull out. Feel like a mini battery, get in the next, like, whatever, quintuple A, Juracell. Here's a question before we actually start with the show properly. How do you tackle that level of misinformation and miseducation? We got to stop platforming it. We got to stop giving them the legitimacy of being on the news or okay. being in the media or any of that because a big major part of propaganda is giving f- fake beliefs airtime if 99.9% of people believe one thing and science believes one thing and just general sense believes one thing and then like mavis down the street has a conspiracy theory <laughs> she does not need equal airtime because she isn't equal <laughs> but, but isn't Mo- isn't mavis a brand of bread hovis is a Where's brand of Ho- bread <laughs> <laughs> okay mavis and hovis spreading disinformation but yeah. no, that's, that's a good but point someone i saw this it, james like... sorry sorry someone i saw this uh said something similar i should say on twitter and they raised the question when was the last time you heard of milo yiannopoulos yeah exactly and that is an example of how de-platforming actually works yeah he tried to move on to telegram the app i believe tried to get his followers to get get him on there but then that just didn't work uh, you know okay um but then the same people will turn back around and be like how dare they silence our free speech and then they'll turn to the government and be like how dare you not give me corporate freedom and it's like do you know what you're fighting for okay the, the, it's a group of people that don't actually know what they're fighting for well, before we talk Brexit, fishing boats, movies, and Donald Trump, Naturally. Uh, one more comment from Amel, who had said, uh, your chat about the potential demise of cinema reminded me of how, as a child, Colin used to wait until the end of a film, then scavenge for uneaten bags of popcorn. <laughs> Where will he get his secondhand popcorn supply now if all the movies do end up going to streaming? Now, let me just challenge this. Sorry, hashtag popcorn poverty. Let me challenge this. This was not just as a child. I was genuinely doing this as a student, which I am horrified at. But it is what I would do. I would wait until the credits had rolled and everybody had left and the cleaners hadn't come in yet. And then I would go down the rows and see what popcorn was oh, left. No, no, the cleaners were standing at the bottom. The cleaners were there watching you do this. The worst bit, James, is when you picked up what you thought was like a full bag of tasty popcorn and it was salt. It was salt flavored. It was so disappointing. I like salty popcorn. Salt flavored anything, not great. 
But uh, yeah, <laughs> sweet popcorn, give me a full bag of that stuff. Fantastic. <laughs> and I'm still here. I'm still standing. It was all in bags, right? Correct. You, you wouldn't like pick up individual kernels off the floor <laughs> no no it was it was let's see who's decided to buy popcorn and then not eat it how and did, let's take it how does anybody not finish the popcorn at a film i've never managed to make a bag of popcorn last beyond like the trailers <laughs> how do you go through an entire film without finishing it but it was also because i refused to pay your own snacks for like a full bag of popcorn so i would just like hold on and then instead of doing the normal thing and having popcorn whilst you watch the movie, the movie's finished and they've got popcorn. You had popcorn on the way home. Yeah, you get a snack for the for the walk home. As as Cineworld used to say in their adverts, time for a tasty debrief. Exactly. I don't know. I guess. I guess. Looking looking back, you must feel like you were vulnerable in a, in ways that you didn't think of then. Now that we're in a pandemic, where Secondhand anything is just disgusting. That's <laughs> I mean, a, a new layer to this this whole popcorn scavenging. It's it's really you know taking my life in my own hands and uh, but playing chicken with the laws of bacteria. It's a valuable skill as well, though. If if we happen to actually enter into a dystopia where we had to you know survive by by scrounging off this and that, you're ahead of the game. You've had some practice. <laughs> okay. You'll be the first to see the the decoy bags of salty food and you'll know exactly where the good, nutritious, sweet food is. That is enough of the preamble. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Really appreciate it, particularly if you've still managed to stick around after that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're going to start with Brexit, which may or may not be happening with a deal. Oh, let's man. Let's chat. It's so soon. I know. I can't bear the excitement. The UK and the EU have agreed to carry on with post-Brexit trade talks after a call between the leaders earlier on Sunday. So in a joint statement, Boris Johnson and the European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen said it was responsible at this point to go the extra mile. The pair apparently discussed the major unresolved topics during their call. Now, the two sides had originally said that this past Sunday, which is today, dear listener, if you're paying attention. Hello, listener. They said that this was the deadline for a decision on whether to continue the talks with the UK leaving the EU rules at the end of end of this month. So, so this looks so like... Soon. James, that the negotiations are going to continue to go on, even though... They've not given up yet. Even though a no deal, very much up until this morning, looked like it was it was happening. It was the done... It was, Everybody it was oven ready. An oven ready, no deal. The, the oven ready deal was the deal we all knew it was. It was the it was... <laughs> it was pre-burnt. Okay. Pre-burnt. What's your, what's your thoughts on all this? Uh, we might get some sort of a deal at the end of this, but we've... Like, I don't know. Does anybody really believe that the goal of the Conservatives was to come out of this with a deal? Their goal has been to sabotage, to get nothing, to tank our economy and to profit off doing so. So, so to explain to me, explain to me what the positive or the, the pro-benefit side is to the Tories doing that. Uh, hard to explain in small terms with my small brain that isn't a pro, pro at this. Um, Jim, I, but, I introduced you at the start of the show as Big Brains. You're letting me down. I know, I know. I have to let the team down. But anything can be shorted is basically the summary of this. Okay. Um, so there will be people who know how to move their money about to make a big profit off killing a market. 
And the current market that is on the kill list is the UK. And if they move their money in the right channels, they can end up with a bunch of extra assets, probably in the UK, which then helps them in the future. We're seeing a lot of companies move their money elsewhere as well, though. So, hey, who knows? Um, but no, there's no deal that would have satisfied the conservatives. We know this because we've had conservative rebels break down several deals already. Yeah. Um, so if the conservative goal was to get deals, we would have had a deal. Um, that we might end up with something really flimsy, but we're probably going to an Australia-style deal, which Australia promptly replied, hey, you don't want one of those. It's overrated. It's okay. Because it's basically nothing. <laughs> one of the bigger talking points that's come out of all this is the threat that Britain will send in Navy gunships uh, yeah. to patrol UK fishing waters Man, yeah. uh, against those pesky French trawlers. Just forget, I know the fishing industry is several billions um, per year in the UK, and that's that's a pretty big amount of money. I think the industry just needs to move on. And that takes a long time, but we're, we're no matter what happens... Fishing is going to have to dramatically change very soon either way. Yeah. The way that we fish isn't sustainable. So the fishing industry needs to shift to sustainable methods. I don't know what that is, but the focus can't be so completely different to what it was two, two, 20 years ago. Not, not just like the UK way back in the day didn't care about anything but the coast. And suddenly it's patriotic to care about the ocean because it's convenient for them to care about the ocean. Well, ah. let me just interject to this point. There was a stat going around uh, yesterday right. which said the amount that the UK government has spent on test and protect or test and trace yeah. programs in the last nine months yeah. would actually have covered the income from fishing for the next decade. Exactly. So that is the, the scope of what we're dealing with here. But the threat is that, yes, we would have the Navy like abseiling from helicopters and arresting French nationals for fishing in yeah. our ocean. And yeah, there are big ships already breaking the rules. Fishing where they technically aren't allowed to using methods that they shouldn't be allowed to because they already know that the UK is fundamentally weaker now and cannot enforce things like they like they may have been able to with the EU as their as their partner. Um, right, but but and hold it on, is hold going on. to be a problem. Hold on. Surely this rhetoric of gunboat diplomacy literally is a step too far. It's I mean, we're talking about a trade deal here, not about like bringing out the army to stop Pierre and his pals. Yeah, but it's, it's the conservatives. They love the fact that we went to war with Iceland over fishing. They love the fact that we send our ships wherever we please. We rule the seas. Uh, they are embarrassing. And they think that this kind of false patriotism matters. They think that all this stuff matters, but it's all a show for them. You know that they don't have the integrity to actually care about the fishermen or their businesses. They just care about looking good because, as as you pointed out, they're willing to chuck money. They're willing to throw away billions to their friends. But when it comes to spending any money at all on people in need or spending any time at all to work out things for people in need, it's like, oh, no, we can't spare that. That's too much. We better, you better, you better cut back on the old spending and raise your taxes. Yeah. Well, and but lower corporate taxes. Don't don't raise their taxes. So 
their goal is so confusing. And I'm not sure how much of a deal they want out of this, but they're just putting the fishing uh, in the spotlight so that we'll all rally behind it because we all care about fishing so much. But they don't actually care about it. Okay, one final point, and this is about how this is being spun by certain pro-Brexit media outlets, which is very much that, for example, Boris Johnson attempted to phone Emmanuel Macron and Angela Merkel, but his phone calls were rebuffed. They are so disrespectful. And apparently Angela Merkel Merkel wants Britain to crawl through broken glass to get a deal. Oh, how terrible. And it's this idea that actually we was robbed as they like to yeah, say, we was, yeah. you know, with this, we've we've done this the honourable way. We've done the right thing, and ah, oh, look at these these European leaders. How how snobbish and terrible yeah. of them wanting to, you know, keep all their stuff. I know, imagine them not wanting to bow down to little little Britain. But but genuinely, is this the only way that anybody who's actively pro Brexit in twenty twenty gets the the spin? Out of this, similarly to to Trump supporters, yeah. it's very much like a, ah, yeah, okay, we lost, but yes. here's what's happening. It's going to be okay. We've Brexited, but actually, it's the EU who's who've, who've yeah. ruined our dream. They've made it a nightmare. I mean, we're seeing that Cornwall as a whole region is going to be getting was it five or ten percent of the funding they used to get with the EU. The UK can only yep. replace up to five or ten percent of that. I don't know if anybody down there is still pro Brexit. Um, I do know there's some people, I know the farmers that are pro-Brexit are now kind of pretending not to be because they want to uphold um, the food standards, but behind the scenes they're they're lobbying for reducing food standards and introducing banned pesticides again. So there, there, there are certainly still people who are manipulating the situation to have their pro-Brexit base ha- believe in some falsities, which is what you're saying. This is This is propaganda for the people to believe, um, whether it's from the farming industry, from the government, from whatever. But we're already seeing that supplies are going to be running out for a bunch of important stuff. Supplies are going to be delayed for a bunch of important stuff from food to medicine uh, immediately. And that's just a sacrifice that some people are willing to make because they're not the ones that will be taking the hit. Okay, James, last week we talked about Warner Brothers' plans to release their entire 2021 slate of movies on HBO Max streaming and also in theatres simultaneously. Yeah. The reaction to this has been very, very bad. In the industry. By both actors and directors. Yes, in the industry, as you say. Uh, In the last week, we've had uh, representatives from, let's say, Margot Robbie, Keanu Reeves, Angelina Jolie and more who are very annoyed about this because they're not being the tre- uh, treated the same as Gal Gadot, who got her own bespoke launch date yeah. and is also getting a, a £10 million bonus yeah. simply because that's essentially what she would have got if they'd released the film yeah. in theatres without a pandemic. Uh, we've had some people in the industry who are saying the studio is now being called Former Bros, Instead of Warner Bros, because that's hilarious. Oh, very clever. And Christopher Nolan, who has been one of the most outspoken 
people about uh, this decision Aye. over the last few days. Uh, very, very unhappy about it. Yeah, now he cares about the cinema experience. <laughs> yeah, so so he uh, he said in a statement that some of the industry's biggest filmmakers and movie stars went to bed the night before thinking they were working for the greatest movie studio and woke up to find out they were working for the worst streaming service. Right. Now that is quite the takedown from Mr. Nolan. So yeah, you can tell he writes scripts for a living. We've also had uh, production houses like Legendary Pictures yeah. who are the uh, machine behind the Godzilla versus Kong which was expected to do very well worldwide next year and also behind the much anticipated Dune or Dune as uh, we like to clarify on this show. Yeah. We had the lead actor from uh, from June, Timothy Chalamet, who is hosting Saturday Night Live this weekend, uh, come out in the closing segment wearing a legendary hoodie ah. as a show of support for said studio, who, uh, yes, apparently were not asked or told that this was the plan. Yep. So, James, all in all, this seems to be a bit of a mess. Well, What's it's kind wrong? of just like rich people complaining that Something isn't fair, which I find to be somewhat ironic. Why? Even if I understand them, like, yeah, one film or one set of people is being treated um, as though nothing's changed and they're getting the same money and they're getting the same reward and everybody else is kind of just getting told, here's the plan, deal with it. You're not getting the money, though. We're actually getting less, but that's fine. I'm like, yeah, that is unfair. Okay. That kind of sucks for them. But it also... None of their lives are going to fundamentally change because of this. This is a group of wealthy people who are being who are complaining. And until I hear, and maybe I'll hear this over the coming weeks, that the people in the lower rungs of these production houses are going to suffer for this. Like if if they won't be able to afford the wages of the of the lowly workers, and the lowly workers will lose their jobs. I might care, but while something is only affecting. Um, the big pockets. I'm not inclined to feel too much sympathy. I'm just going to w- hope that they sort it out amongst themselves and, and I won't be batting for either side. But if I if it comes back that, yeah, all the suffering is going to be pushed down the chain to, you know, the temp workers and the uh, third camera operator, uh, I'll, I might start caring a bit harder. Well, we did have the director of Dune, who's Denis Villeneuve, who has uh, made some of my favourite films of the last 10 years. Yeah, makes good stuff. He came out to say that Warner Brothers may have just killed his franchise by moving the release to HBO Max. He wrote an essay for Variety magazine, Variety Online, uh, saying that this move is all about the survival of a telecom mammoth, one that's currently bearing an astronomical debt of more than $150 billion. And therefore, even though Dune is about cinema and audiences, AT&T is about its own survival on Wall Street. This is true. With HBO Max's launch a failure so far, AT&T have decided to sacrifice Warner Brothers' entire 2021 slate in a desperate attempt to grab the audience's attention. Mm -hmm. James, my question is, is he wrong? No, he's not wrong. But that's the way that that industry goes. If you're working in the department of hundreds of millions, then you've taken on a whole bunch of risk and you've given a whole bunch of power to other people. So when your project gets um, shafted, it was somewhat inevitable it was going to happen eventually to somebody. It, sadly, it's to a group of people and some 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 actors and some filmmakers and some people that like I do respect and I like their work. 
Um, but this is what happens. The pandemic has come. Different companies are, are trying to salvage their profits in different ways. Um, well, I guess some companies are doing very well off the top of it. But, you know. but, but, sh- but just at this point, surely, as we're going to see in a minute with, uh, with Disney and their plans for 2021, it still doesn't make much economic sense to release a potentially massive blockbuster, you know, something that could bring in a billion dollars worldwide, does not make sense to just put it out on streaming without some type of, you know, theatrical advanced window. Uh, well, we don't... We, well, At least not yet. We don't know how each of the films is going to be treated at the end of the day. I, I am sure that if the pandemic times are behind us, by the time June's coming about, they'll be like, all right, we'll put out in the cinemas for a month and then it'll go on streaming. And that's fine. Um, I, I, f- I feel like I've seen a lot of people complaining, but nobody's offering an alternative. Um, right. Because the alternative was was, t- was attempted. Just release it anyway was the alternative, and it didn't work, and then everything got delayed. And people seemed happy yep. about the delay because releasing it wasn't going to work. So having a plan B of like, well, at least we, we can put it online, I guess, and and that'll make money. It sounds pretty good. Um, and until there is an alternative or until everything's back to normal... It's, it just sucks for a bunch of people to be seeing their projects taking a hit. Okay. I, 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 they can complain if they want. Yeah, it's unfair. I complete, I get both sides of it. It makes sense. It's massive industry, though. It's way beyond me to care about the people in, as, in, as individuals because they're going to be just fine. Particularly if you're getting a, a £10 million payoff at the end of it. Well, I'm not sure they all are. This is one thing that I wasn't sure well, about. Well, that's well, that's what some of their issues yeah. are, which is, you know, what's my actually what's my actual yeah. payout going to be from this? Because so many of their deals are reliant on what the share of the box office exactly. was. So we know that some of them have an agreement to get paid anyway, and others haven't been offered that, and that is unfair. But again, that's big people money. Uh, I'm not really sure any of them will be affected by it. Not really. Um, I hope they won't be. Maybe they will be if they ever if they ever really are in need. They put up a Patreon. Let me know. I'll contribute a fiver. Um, <laughs> but until it's affecting all the people that are like on their final paycheck or living pay to, paycheck to paycheck, this doesn't feel like big news. Okay. Well, we'll link to that then before we go to Disney's big announcement, which was this massive slew of new TV shows oh and things, which we'll talk about in just a second. Oh boy. Uh, they boy. did announce that their new or rather latest Pixar movie, which is called Soul, will be coming to Disney Plus over the festive period. Now, I, am, I believe it's with the chunky $30 paywall, similar to oh, Milan, okay, yeah. but uh, don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. So that's so that's another way of, of them releasing their film, which, again, in an, any other year, would have made an absolute fortune. Yeah. So it's going straight to streaming. I, I, I we'll be seeing this for at least the next few months. I don't I don't really know what the return to cinema is going to be like. But you know, looking as we said earlier in the show, looking in New Zealand where stadiums are packed out and uh, cinemas are, are back to normal, maybe the return to cinema will just be that completely normal again after the pandemic's passed and okay, um, all these people will get a chance to reinvest their their hopes and dreams once again. Um, I mean, because none of these. Like, it would be a huge, huge shock to me if any of these mega corporations tanked because the governments that are above them or the governments that they are above, I guess, because they lobby so hard, they make the rules, um, uh-huh. will just save them. 
because they are too big to fail. Okay. We've got a bunch of businesses that are too big to fail. Well, talking off a bloated industry, Disney announced 10 new Star Wars TV shows and 10 new Marvel TV shows and new films coming in the next year to 36 months. So, yeah. Amongst the headline figures was Kathleen Kennedy announcing that the new Star Wars film, which is Rogue Squadron, is going to be directed by Patty Jenkins, yeah. who has done the last two Wonder Woman movies. This is the first time a female director has taken charge of any uh, Star Wars franchise film. We've also had, as I say, 10 Star Wars TV shows announced, including uh, the likes of the reprising of the role of Lando Calrissian by Donald Glover, who first appeared in the spin-off uh, in 2018, Solo, with Alden Ehrenreich. We also have, uh, off the back of the success of The Mandalorian, the likes of, I want to say, The Bad Batch, The Bad James? Batch, yeah. So if you're an avid Clone Wars watcher and you watched up to the final seasons... Um, you will have actually met the Bad Batch in their animated form. Okay. It's uh, a bunch of clone troopers who were just a wee bit different from the others. They weren't identical and they had their their uh, mutations and or special abilities. So we're going to see it. It's kind of like a spec ops force for uh, clones in the Star Wars universe. Right. Um, with some primary characters that are well loved in, in the Clone Wars circles. I believe we also have uh, Obi-Wan miniseries and an Andor miniseries as well. Yeah, so the Obi-Wan, we know that McGregor's back as Obi-Wan. Yay, that's what everybody wanted, even if we kind of don't like him sometimes. Um, um, And we know that Hayden Christensen is returning to play Darth Vader. Yep. um, Even though everybody hated him when he was in the role the first time around, now everybody's (laughs) really excited that he's back because that's just what audiences do. They, They yearn for the good times, even if the good times were... Not really that different to the current times. Just before I actually get your opinion on the the kind of the wider picture here, let me give you some more details on what else was announced. Right. Uh, we had 78-year-old Harrison Ford coming back again as Indiana Jones for a fifth and final installment. This is going to yeah. be directed by James Mangold, who did Logan, which is one of my favorite superhero movies, which looked at... Uh, an old man, Wolverine. So I figure it will be something similar here this time with Harrison Ford. Yeah. Uh, we also have on the Marvel side confirmation that Chadwick Boseman is not going to be recast for the Black Panther sequel. Yeah. Instead, they're going to be uh, looking at the other kind of supporting cast members uh, to explore their stories. That comes out in July 2022. Yeah, but it, it probably won't be Sister Panther. I, I doubt that, yes. Uh, we also have Christian Bale confirmed as the chief villain for Thor 4. He's going to be oh, yeah. playing Gore, the God Butcher, which sounds like uh, the perfect role for Mr. Bale. And uh, yeah, <laughs> He's going to eat so much food in preparation for that role. <laughs> we had Captain Marvel 2 confirmed. We also had a Fantastic Four again. But this time... <laughs> made... <laughs> But this time it's in the 60s, set in the 1960s. Okay, James, also host of Marvel TV shows. We'll get to some of the trailers in a minute. James, let's just take a broad overview of this. Right. What is your your initial feelings on this announcement before I give you my 10 cents? Okay, so this is kind of what I said I wanted for the Star Wars universe the whole time. We already knew that Marvel was doing all this stuff. It's kind of confirming stuff that we knew. So I'll skip those. They were going to have the same balance of good and bad as we expect from Marvel. Right. Um, For the Star Wars stuff, this is what I was saying I wanted. I just, I hoped they wouldn't do it all at the same time. 
that they'd release it, you know, one or two at a time or announce them one or two at a time. But okay. um, Disney, knowing that The Mandalorian is the only reason the majority of their audience has a Disney Plus account right now, has decided to times that by 10 and just put all their bets on releasing Star Wars shows like The Mandalorian, but different. Um, but yeah, they're, they're looking like they're making different shows. They're not making them all... Skywalker stories. They're not just doing a copy paste of the Mandalorian and make giving it a different character. We've got um, characters from other series that are well known and liked already. We've got characters from other films that are getting their own stuff, even like because the characters are well liked. Okay, um, but they're all in different lines. We've got like stuff based around fighter pilots. We've got stuff based around spies. We've got stuff based around droids, I guess. Um, with C three P and R two D two getting their own show, I think. We got Jedi stuff. So so all this time that I've been saying stop copy pasting your Star Wars films, they're doing it. I just hope it's not all at once that they're telling us the ten and we're gonna get like one or two a year. Okay. I'm not gonna be able to watch them all otherwise. I expect there's gonna be three good ones, two that are like, all right, i I enjoyed that, and then the rest will be forgettable. Okay. Just to give you my thoughts, because time is ticking away here, I feel this is a reflection of the <sighs> total unnecessary amount of stuff which is now going to be out there for people to watch always and i'm a firm believer that the more of this kind of stuff you make the the worse it gets the quality just yep, goes down exactly you know there was a time where i want to say in the 1940s maybe 50s that something like a hundred westerns were released per year yeah and of course Eventually, everyone just got burned out and looked for something else. And of course, we're now reaching that saturation point. Because as soon as I saw, right, we've got 10 Marvel TV shows, let alone the movies. Now we're getting to 10 Star Wars shows. And of course, there's more room for them because they've not really explored that yet. Exactly. But it's so bloated. Yeah. There's so much going on. The the big difference. Unless you are a diehard fan... You're not going to be watching all these series. You'll maybe watch the the Mandalorian yeah. because it was the first one. It was the had the most hype. Whereas for so many of these ones, I'm just thinking, what is the audience? Who are they aiming at here? Just the the diehards? Because if yeah. if so, that's a pretty niche market. If you're looking for people who are going to watch absolutely everything you put out there, diehard fans can be the gateway to something becoming massively popular. If it's well received, it can pop off. Okay, that's a fair point. I do see a, a struggle to see where the audience is for some of these shows. Like, I'm not sure how you can make a show about R2 and C3PO and have an audience. But they're going to do it, and I'm sure it will find its audience. Um, I wouldn't say this is similar to just bashing out 100 Westerns because they're, they've learned the Marvel lesson. Marvel is now diverging. It's doing shows that all feel different rather than copy-pasting the same superhero film 10 times. Yeah. At least hopefully they are. It looks like they are. And it looks like Star Wars is doing the same thing where instead of making 10 versions of the same show, they're making 10 very different shows to try and get an audience share who care about whatever genre they're emulating in their established universe. Okay. It's a successful thing in a way. And yeah, there's too much. It's like DC shows. There's too many DC shows to keep up. So you watch the ones that you like the most. We'll be doing the same for for Marvel. We'll be doing the same for Star Wars. And it's a shame because all these companies could have just agreed, hey, let's all share each other's product and make the good stuff and everybody everybody profits and we'll focus on a couple of good shows each per year and they'll be, uh, it'll be incredible. But instead, they're all just trying to get the biggest market share 
make the most stuff and try and out out make everybody else and therefore we end up with a bunch of trash right Along with this announcement from Disney was also a glut of trailers for yeah. the Marvel TV shows, which are already uh, mm-hmm. ready and oven ready for streaming, which includes One Division, which I believe is coming out in January. That's Scarlet Witch and Vision. Then you've got the Loki series, which I believe is March. And then in May, you've got Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is the spin-off from Captain America's pals who never quite got the screen time that perhaps they wanted. Yeah. James, I'm not going to play these trailers because go you find can go them, and yeah. look them up yourself if you want to watch some generic Marvel shots. What did you think of these? Let me uh, let me ask about Falcon and the okay. Winter Soldier. What did you think of this trailer? Looks like the least exciting trailer for something um, in, a, in a long time. One, the Winter yeah. Soldier, they've made him look super generic and boring. And they've reflected that throughout the entire trailer for every aspect of the show because it looks so generic. It looks like nothing. It, it looks like it's all flair and, and, and effect and then no actual driving story. At least they haven't told us a driving story. Um, you, you could say it's style over substance. Basically, that would be the smart person's way to say it. Um, and I, 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 like, I, maybe I'll watch it. But I'd rather watch other things first. <laughs> uh, for example, it was the it was the worst of the shows, in my opinion, like in in the way it looks so far. Okay, I agree with that. Let me pick on Loki next, which is the Tom Hiddleston fronted show, which is a spin off of what we saw happen in the final yeah, uh, Avengers movie Endgame, in which he stole the uh, the Tesseract yeah. pre character redemption Loki stole the Tesseract. Yep. So we're not going to have the Loki that we all actually ended up liking and who got well-developed. We're going to have boring, <laughs> evil Loki, I guess, getting his own show. Okay, so in this trailer, he is mainly shown with Owen Wilson, which was a surprise, I must say. But the show looks like it's borrowing elements from shows that I've already seen. It looks like a, but it's very difficult to nail down I, what. I want to say it's like an episode of Black Mirror. I was going to say it looks like it's trying to do some Black Mirror stuff, which it might be doing. Yep. I think... We might we might be stumbling onto the point of the show. It looks like they're just putting Loki into entertainment verse and go do TV. Go be in the TV universe for a bit and we'll do a meta TV commentary with Loki and it's going to be meta and stuff like that. Okay. I think the style looked interesting. I'd say Hiddleston was underwhelming. Um <laughs> most of it was underwhelming, but I, I'm more I'm far more curious about this show than I was about the also just as incredibly named Falcon and Winter Soldier. Okay, well, one final trailer then. That's One Division, And I'll be honest, James, this one I am most intrigued in because I have no idea exactly. what the show is, is doing or where it's going. I mean, if you watch the trailer, some of it is in the kind of four, four, three box ratio. It's in black and white. It's got laugh track. And it's got some solid yeah, laugh track. It's got some solid supporting casts, uh, cast members in there as well. So I, I'm interested because I don't know what the show is about or where it's going, and that is the success. Black Mirror again. <laughs> that is the success of any any trailer. If it gets me to the point where I say I don't know what's going on, yeah. and I'm intrigued. Yeah. What's your thoughts? Well, it's just that we're watching the de- the deterioration of a grieving Wanda. Right, that's the show. Um, she's going to be trying to undo the terrible damage that losing Vision has done to her and make recreate her own one, and then we're going to see that all slowly fall apart. 
and maybe there's some sinister forces in the outside world. But this is a, this is a turning point in the Marvel universe that is hinging around this character and what's going on in the show. And um, this is how the multiverse stuff is going to happen. I I assume this is how we're going to get mutants and stuff into the sh- into the universe. I assume. Um, but the fact that it looks stylish while also looking like it's got the aforementioned substance does make it the most interesting of the shows. Even if it's also still, I, I, I kind of still don't care to see it and just kind of want to read the spark notes once it's done. I'm not sure any of the shows maybe want to watch them. They just maybe want to know what happens in them. The cheap way. Okay, let's move on. Spider-Man 3 has announced even more big casting news, and this one has been very well received. It is the fact that Alfred Molina is putting his big metal arms again to reprise his role as Dr. Octopus. Unreal. So he he turned in his fan-favourite performance in 2004... Yeah. With Tobey Maguire. What a what a film. Which genuinely, Spider-Man 2 is a great movie. It's always held up as one of the best of the genre. Enjoy it so much. And uh, Alfred Molina is a big part of that. So I, for one, am very intrigued, very interested, and keen to see how he fits into Tom Holland's universe. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm curious to see how they're going to um, overlap the different feels that all these... Um, Spider-Mens and their and their supporting characters brought because yeah. the original Spider-Man run, including Doc Ock, they embraced the cliche and the cheesiness and the drama and all that to the perfect degree. It was just entertaining. Whereas this, then we've got more grounded stuff later on. So like, it's just really cool seeing all this come together and wondering how they're going to do it. And I hope it's good because I actually like. I actually like a lot of this already and and seeing stuff that I like and hoping it's going to be well treated gives me yep. gives me hope but then we've seen a lot of stuff that I liked that didn't get treated well and actually got treated real cheaply and discarded and <laughs> I really hope this doesn't happen. Well, part of this uh, casting news is also the rumor that Charlie Cox, who is the actor who played Daredevil, is uh, also yeah. involved. Speaking of things I like. Yeah, so goodness. if you recall, if you're a long-time listener, we were both big fans of the first season of Daredevil, which was in a, a world far, far away in 2015, Man. where Disney Plus was just a figment of someone's imagination, and Marvel were doing, were doing uh, yeah. TV shows on Netflix. The first season was awesome. Yeah, it looked like we were going to get corporations co- um, cooperating with each other. And working together to make good shows. But yeah. And then they stopped doing that. After season three, the show was brought to an abrupt end. And there has long been a campaign to resurrect the Daredevil character. And it certainly sounds like he may be getting a cameo in Spider-Man 3. At the very least, yeah. So if you know the story of Spider-Man, you might know that he currently kind of needs some legal help. So the the rumor is that his legal help is going to be... Um, Daredevil, it's going to be Matt Murdock, it's going to be our, our good boy Charlie Cox, and then that'll be it. But Do you think, James, just before we move on, yeah. that introducing all these sort of fan-fave characters and crossovers of characters that, for certain audiences, you're going to get a big reaction from, but I'd say the majority you're going to be like, well, who's this guy? Why is he here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that's a turn-off or it's actually a, a benefit yeah. to the film? It kind of depends how they handle the screen time and how they handle the framing and the dialogue and all that. I would like to do two contrasts. If we think about... I can do one from the universe itself. Um, if we think about... Into the Spider-Verse, the way that they treated uh-huh. the side character Spider-Mans. 
Uh, they gave them just the right amount of their own character and screen time and lines without giving without giving them too much of the focus to to overdo it or underdo it at any point. Right. Um, compare that to when uh, we, we had Ed Sheeran brought in as a side character in Game of Thrones uh, and how we got his little podgy face full screen for like a good a half an hour, I think. Um, if I'm recalling the way time passed Shots when it was that on, lingered yeah. on his face, yeah. And just how they treated him as though he was a primary character and stuff like that, and that was just awkward and clunky. Sang a song. We could have that. That could happen with every single one of these side characters. We could get them all Ed Sheeran, <laughs> and they could all just be really clunky, handled poorly, and I'll be really sad. But I hope instead that they get the treatment of well-placed side characters. Right. Where they get just enough to make you smile, and then... You move on. Let's move on to what we've been watching this week. James, I'm going to kick off because I've got a TV show and two movies. The first one is Office, or sorry, The Office, season three. (laughs) Office is a very different film. Okay. So The Office season three is something that I've just kind of of been moseying through uh, some nights when I've got my dinner because they're 20 minutes and they're nice and easy. They're they're very easy. What I'd say is, is that I am yet to get to the point where I actively... Enjoy watching the character of Michael Scott. Ah, yes. He's played by Steve Carell. Yes. Because the things he does, whilst in some cases are funny, the vast majority of the time, they're just irritating. Yeah. And I and obnoxious. Yeah. And ignorant. Yeah. And I know that it's played for laughs, but I it's just not working for me. It really isn't. Mm-hmm. And so it's to me, the strongest part of the show is the supporting characters. Yep. It's the fact that uh, you've got the likes of BJ Novak and John Krasinski and uh, Jenna Fisher, who I think oh, is yeah. brilliant. Even Rashida Jones, who plays uh, Jim's uh, love interest in season three, I think is excellent. Ed Helms as well shows up. The whole supporting cast, all of them, yeah. play their characters really, really well. But I just... I, I, it's the fact that Steve Carell is the lead character. Yeah. And I don't like him. But I and think... It's, and it's just... It's hell, it's hindering yeah. my enjoyment of the show. I think that that's his purpose, though. Is he creates the situations for all the characters that you like to be able to be the characters that you like. They wouldn't be those characters without the horrible, awkward, without the really cringy right. stuff, without the unacceptable stuff. You wouldn't get all the iconic moments about that. I will say that the show, as far as I remember, at season three point hasn't still hasn't quite pivoted into hey you're gonna kind of like Mr. Scott at the end of the day yeah um, territories yet they they keep they keep making him easier to watch okay um where some of the like he still has his you, you've still got some horrible horrible episodes coming up where you just cringe your whole way through and you probably will never watch them again <laughs> because they were executed so well um, but right. they, they they just keep cranking up the likability as the seasons go on. I, I think in some ways it's very American in its production, um, and they do kind of let go of some of the obnoxious and replace it with just weird. Um, but it I always the show for me stands up because it allowed all the side characters to carry it. It wasn't Correct. really about Michael, and that continues to be the case. Okay, which is why when he inevitably leaves. It kind of becomes a bit awkward. Show suffers, yeah. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Two very quick reviews because they're films I've seen before. It's my Marvel watch along. Uh, Graham is seeing this for the first time, so he has uh, much fresher views in it than I do. Right. But we watched Doctor Strange and Thor 3, Thor Ragnarok. Ah. So Doctor Strange, I'd say, is 
fine in that yes. it clearly borrows a lot from Inception Indeed. and other uh, mind-bending movies. I think Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch, apart from his accent, is largely fine. Yeah. Uh, Rachel McAdams just does not get enough to play with. But no. what I do like is that they give Tilda Swinton's ancient one, who is a, she plays it magnificently. She does great. They give her enough light and shade that she's not just a, oh, she's she's a good character. Yeah. She was a Legia 4. Also, I do feel is hard done by. He plays a, a secondary role. And uh, the rumor is that he will be back in Doctor Strange 2. Uh, he's very much just a, a kind of a, a thin sketch of a character who's, you know, he's played well, but he, yeah, he's, he doesn't really get anything to do. Yeah. So, and, you know, Mads Mikkelsen, classic Marvel villain in that he's yeah. bad because he's bad, nothing really more than that. And whilst the film has fun with the time elements and with, as I say, the, the structural, architectural bending stuff, yeah. it's just not the movie you wanted it to be, or I wanted it to be. Yeah. Uh, moving on to Thor 3, I think Thor oh, 3... Okay. On reflection, well, in fact, do you want to add anything to Doctor Strange? Yeah, uh, I, appre- I appreciate Doctor Strange more and more the longer it goes on because it kind of started a trend of not being the standard film. That's true. It didn't do things in, in a super normal Marvel way, aside from the villain story. Uh, the mentor was a bit up and down, Skew uh, black and white. Uh, they didn't just have boring love interest story because they didn't really have one because um, they just didn't care enough about it, I guess. Yeah. Um, it had some strong side characters, but the solution to the confrontation wasn't just CGI big boss fight. That is, that's a good point. And I like that. And the visuals weren't just like, hey, look, people can jump big and punch good. The visuals were interesting and different. So it was it was a step for Marvel that I appreciate a lot. Okay, that's, that's a good point. I'm looking forward to seeing where they go with the okay. sequel. Still a very average film, though. <laughs> yes, okay. Thor 3 is, uh, for me, the movie where Thor finally becomes his own character. Uh, it's directed... Yeah, at, the, at the great cost of the entire side cast. <laughs> indeed. Directed by Taika Waititi, who is uh, best known for Hunt for the Wilder People and uh, What We Do in the Shadows, and has now gone on yeah. to do a host of other fun things, including Joe Joe Rabbit and uh, some episodes of The Mandalorian. And he's getting some Star Wars. So this film, as you say, James, it does finally give uh, some flesh and bone to uh, Chris Hemsworth's Thor. The film, again, suffers from some ropey accents here and there. People trying to be too Shakespearean and they're just Australian. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, it, it has problems, as you say, with the likes of Mark Ruffalo's Hulk, who is who has given maybe like five minutes of a debrief after he becomes human again, and suddenly two years of trauma, he's fine. Two years of trauma, there's no bother, no big deal at all. Oh, good now. I can crack a joke or two. You've got Jeff Goldblum, who is playing the Grandmaster. Who Who is playing Jeff Goldblum. It's, I mean, he is he's brilliant. He only gets like five minutes of screen time. Yeah. But he's hes brilliant. I really enjoyed his performance here. And Cape Lonchette, who is another high-profile example of a brilliant actor for a, a villain role, a villainess role. Yeah. And she just doesn't get, she just doesn't get anything other Nothing than... Nothing to work with. She's bad. You're the and bad. And she's the, the firstborn daughter. Go break And that's things, why she's bad. Break stuff because your pact is over. You're not, you're not contained anymore. My main takeaway from this movie is that Carl Urban, who is in this role as Scourge, the executioner, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he's just playing his role from the boys. It's the same accent. He is the same Very person. similar accent, very similar gruffness, different character traits. 
in some ways, but yes, same but the car- same yeah. voice. He's exactly the same voice. I just heard Billy Butcher. But I, I like it. It's just dumb. It's just a really dumb character, and I liked it. Um, okay, I, I, he, and he's he's given a little bit of a, a kind of a hero's ending as well, which indeed, is nice. Indeed, but a bit. So, cheap. so just just to summarize before I throw it over to you, because I know you mentioned this last week. I am firmly in the camp that Thor three is easily the best of the Thors, mm-hmm. and it's certainly up there in terms of the better Marvel films because it just has fun with... uh, And of course, it does follow the formula, but it's a little bit different. That being said, it still has some issues. What do you think? Yeah, I think one of the things I've got problems with is just it was a bit too... It had to be too big. Right. They they were given too grand a scope for one short film um, and they had to fit too much in, so it moves a bit too fast and a lot of the progression character arcs character developments aren't really earned um for example when odin dies odin dies and 10 seconds later the villain appears yeah so there's all these moments that just it's stacked up back to back to back big thing big thing big thing and it's like they handled it as best as they could i can't think of a way to do it better than they did right um i also i don't like how easily they threw away thor's side characters that we'd established uh-huh. rather than trying to improve them or give them some time. They'll get anything. killed off, some of them without a light. Yeah, two of them are just like dispatched in such a way that you think, oh, who are, who are they? Those, those guys were dressed up funny. And then you realize, oh no, those are the two people that we were supposed to be enjoying from the previous films. And the final one gets a sending off <laughs> yeah. um, that's a bit more impactful, but only because they couldn't give it to a different character who wasn't even in the film because they couldn't arrange the schedules. Um, so it was just... I'm not going to try and say it was disrespectful or disappointing because they couldn't have done that either. They were told, you don't need these characters and they got rid of them in a way that made sense. But it's just a shame It's because uh, I thought yep. they had potential. They were very cheesily done, very poorly done in the previous films, but they could have done something interesting with them because they're supposed to be Thor's oldest friends. And then they just get like... And Thor just does not care. Yeah, they just get like chucked away and then Thor's like, who, Heimdall? No, he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> He's my friend. <laughs> okay, James, uh, time is running out. Tell me what have you watched this week? I, I've been watching a few shows, still going through The Mandalorian, which actually some of the talking points I want to try to remember about The Mandalorian, we've talked about this week. So you should I'll write them to, down. I'll try to write them down right after we finish discussing. Um, but I finished n- no shows except one film. I watched The Man from Uncle. Okay, so this is the uh, the big budget Hollywood version of an old TV show, mm. which I think my folks and your folks probably used to watch. What did you think of the movie? This is with uh, Army Hammer and Henry Cavill, if I remember. It is, um, with some questionable accent work. <laughs> yep. Over, I'm going to give the overall first of all. Okay. The film is very fun, but I'm not sure why it exists. <laughs> As I yep, said, so good, the performances are absolutely standard. They are well done, but they they are not new. Cavill does a yep. very good standard performance of uh, a womanizer, womanizer spy guy. Himself. Um, we also get a very standard performance of somebody trying to act Russian. Um, <laughs> it's all very normal. And the story is very normal. No surprises really happen. It's, a, yeah. it's contrived, and but the way it's contrived isn't smart. It's just somebody clearly contrived of this. And you could you can keep up as you're watching it. You're like, okay, I keep up. Um, and I, I like it. I like it. I like the characters. I like the way they work off each other. 
I'm going to say the body act, the body language acting is better, is the best acting. They use body language in this film pretty well, far better than okay. than than dialogue. <laughs> um, but nothing interesting happens. Um, stylistically, it's nice. I like the way it's framed and shot. Um, the story is 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 not as stylish, stylish though. It's just like here's the good guys, here's the bad guys. Good guys win. Well done, good guys. Um, so like good good fashion and good aesthetics and nice style and nice cinematography can't can't carry it. The film's average because nothing surprising happens. It's a very well made cup of fries. Okay. <laughs> Here's your Rotten Tomatoes review of the Man from Uncle. She's operated. Okay. One I would watch the second final one though. Trailer. I don't think there is a second one yet. No, but they might do it if right. I say I would watch it. One final trailer, which I would urge you, dear listener, to go and watch. This is called A Recipe for Seduction. <laughs> and it is a movie from uh, the Lifetime Channel and Kentucky Fried Chicken. It is a co-production <laughs> of the story of, uh, I want to say, Mr. Sanders, who's the founder of KFC. This trailer, yeah. James. Yeah. First of all, go find the posters before you watch the trailer. The posters are so good. <laughs> is this a spoof? I don't know. You know what I think it might be? Now, children, stop listening at this point. Okay. I think they've just removed the 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 graphic scenes from a from a porn film. Right. And that's it. <laughs> they just left you with everything else. They left you with the plot of 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 porn in the movie. So I'm falling for the chef. Somebody did a porn parody of the KFC Colonel, <laughs> Colonel Sanders or whatever. And then they, they, their, their big budget porn producers pulled out, and they couldn't get a distributor. So they're like, hey, "KFC, would you distribute this?" And KFC are like, "Well, you better take out the boobs. Only breasts in this movie are chicken." Yeah, exactly. Because um, it's it's exa- it's exactly what you'd expect from from the cheap writing that you'd get <laughs> to justify a porn film. So uh, genuinely, the, the cheesy it, puns, the bad writing, the terrible acting. The title is a recipe for seduction, and according to the trailer, there are four characters in this show. Yeah, and, and a dead well, person, and, and somebody just, who's just dead, and I'm not sure why. Somebody playing a corpse. Yeah, um, and it's like a it's a it's a it's a m- mystery. Drama, th- thriller, romance. Oh, no idea. Starring a young pre-chicken empire colonel <laughs> who is very muscular. And handsome. With bad prosthetic facial hair. Indeed. <laughs> but there's a big there's a big part of me that wants to see the film because it has to be so bad it's entertaining. It just has to be that level of bad. But more so, I just want to experience this secondhand. I want to be reading people's experiences of watching this as it as it goes. I want to I want okay, to well, contrive myself a it, group of people. I said contrive. What a what a. It's streaming as of tonight, which is Sunday, thirteenth December. Exactly. So I'll find a group of people who are going to do a live tweet, and I'll follow the live tweets okay. and giggle at their interpretations of whatever mess is going on. Okay, we are well and truly out of time, but let's finish up with the news that the US Supreme Court has unanimously rejected a baseless lawsuit filed by the state of Texas, 
which was seeking to overturn the presidential election results in, other uh, in four states <laughs> other than Texas. So the president <laughs> lost Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they applied or they appealed to the Supreme Court to throw it out. And in a brief one-page order, all nine justices uh, agreed to chuck it. Yeah. And of course now... The supporters of Trump are saying, well, see, this was all part of the plan. No, but we, we planned to lose. Last week, they were telling us that every other um, lawsuit was getting thrown out because the plan was to get to this one, because this one was the was the actual one. Um, but even this final lawsuit was so baseless that a stacked court couldn't, <laughs> couldn't go, yeah! Yeah, so despite the fact that uh, the three of the nine have been appointed by Trump in the last few years, yeah. as you say, James, it was unanimously booted out of court. And this decision hammers another nail in the coffin of Trump's uh, increasingly when? desperate attempts to subvert the will of the people. When is he going to accept so, it? Can I just say at this point, the suit was backed by, of course, Donald Trump, but 17 other states yeah. and 126 Republicans from the House of Representatives, which is more than half of the caucus. Yeah, higher-ups. This is big names within the party. We're backing this. Signed. What's the game? Like, I, I, I'm thinking that they're, they're going to shift to a falsely supporting Trump. They're now faking it. And they're hoping that they can no, fake no it way. so long that they make it to the next election and they're being like... Vote for our Trump surrogate. Nope. We like Trump so much, vote for our person who who represents Trump. I genuinely believe these people are delusional and that they are unable to accept that their candidate lost because all they are surrounded by are other pro-Trump people who are so pro-Trump that they say, well, there can't be anyone who voted for Biden. And look, Trump got more votes than any president ever. So therefore, he must have won. Biden, Times Person of the Year, or at least one half of Times Person of the Year, though. Congrats. Um, that's, I mean, that's laughable, but okay. I mean, there was a lot of, the, the people complained, and it's like, they just do this every four years. The president is the person of the year. Moving on, penultimate story linked to the loss of the Supreme Court. We had a bunch of pro-Trump protests across the stage yesterday, mainly in Washington, D.C., in which we had a number of scuffles between uh, pro-Trump and anti-Trump supporters and uh, four stabbings, is what I read. James, where does this end? Because, of course, the inauguration's in January. uh, The Electoral College uh, gather to vote tomorrow, which is Monday. What What is the end game for for the 70 plus million people who voted for Trump. I don't. And many of whom are clearly unable to accept the fact that he lost and believe that the election was rigged. I, mean, I don't know where it goes because they're turning their every time somebody does finally go like okay, I guess Trump lost. They get they get evicted from this in-group. Oh, yeah. Fox is out. They've been replaced. Um any any senator or congressperson that, that says anything is going to be out as well and they'll be replaced. So this group, yep. it's going to keep getting smaller because of this and less well-connected and less influential because of this. But it looks like there's a solid base of just, as you said, delusional people. And I don't know where they go. Like this is, again, sadly, free money for Trump forever and free money for his for his like family forever. Yeah. He, he has become a messiah to these people. Like this literal worship of a name, they would they would they would worship the Trump name ahead of anything else at this point. So they'll be they'll be donating to anything that that family tells them to. Um, I, I fully expect he will run in twenty twenty four. 
If he's still alive. If, yeah. Or if he's still not in jail. But this is why the Democrats should not just brush things under the rug again, like the, like is the usual practice, because as soon as you give power to the people, you lose a bit of power yourself. They can't do that. They have to just come down like, and give everybody this one final chance for a great awakening. Get it through the courts proved. Everything that happened, get everybody that was being corrupt and shifting money around and shifting power around and doing favors, get them all sentenced. Make sure that happens. Everybody gets their final chance to wake up. And if they don't, who they probably don't have power anymore anyway. Who are they going to vote for? <laughs> everybody that was corrupt has been, has been fairly brought to justice. Okay, time is up. So let's finish with this final story. It took 51 years and a team of amateur experts from three countries, but the final cipher left by the still unidentified Zodiac killer uh, who killed in California in the 60s and 70s has now been solved. On Friday, codebreaker David Oranchak revealed for the first time the ominous message which was sent by the murderer to a number of newspapers, including the San Francisco Chronicle. Yeah. Uh, this this uh, letter, which I will not read in full, but it starts by saying, I hope you're having lots of fun in trying to catch me. So, James, by the looks of things, they used a very complicated computer program Indeed. and they figured it out, but still were no closer to actually learning who the Zodiac was. Odd, weirdly, weirdly timed very soon after I watched the film Zodiac, so oh yeah, I'm kind of living this double Which life. Is good. Like, wait, did I? Did you inadvertently did solve I, this? How did I? How did I? How did I make this happen? Um, but no, we've just it's the the the, the code's been cracked, and I, I I am interested that it's been cracked because the fact is that if you want to make a cipher that is unbreakable, you can. It's very easy to make one that cannot be cracked. Okay. So the fact that it was implies that there was this level of intelligence in the design of it to make it crackable. Um, but maybe it was just a bit simplistic at the end of the day because it is, it is no challenge to write something in a cipher and have it, have it be not understood forever. So the fact that they've cracked it, amazing. I'm not surprised it didn't reveal anything and that it hasn't helped anybody get a step closer to knowing ultimately what happened, who it was or anything like that. Um, and I, 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 I hope people know eventually because you know justice and stuff, giving people the peace of mind that they, that facts are known helps them settle um, with their grief and on their sorrows. And it's been a long time, but some people will still be majorly um, affected by what happened like way back when. Um, it's a shame the cipher or the the revealed letter hasn't really helped, but it has shown. An, and like just how delusional the the guy was yet again, either really was or at least presenting himself as because man, that that piece is uh, quite the read. Okay, James, we are out of time, but thank you for your time and thank you, dear listener, for listening to our ill-informed and misinformed opinions. If you have any of your own you would like to share, yeah. you can do at Seesaw Parade on Twitter yeah. or Seesaw Parade at gmail.com. But James, all that's left for me to say is thank you. Yeah, get in touch soon because the UK is going to go be in a blackout in like more than just over a fortnight. So get your thoughts and opinions in while we can still hear you. Okay, sounds good. Right, James, we'll see you uh, for one final show before Christmas. Hey! Should be fun. Bye. See you later.